All right, so like I said, you know, I'm the worship pastor. I have to talk about worship. But it's not all just going to be about music. So this morning, you know, I'm doing something a little different. But I kept to my routine, my Sunday routine. Every Sunday, I wake up and the angels come down. And they sing over me with glad spirits. And I'm filled with the spirit. Mm -mm -mm. I wake up to my baby's screams. And I go roll out of bed, and I madly try to get ready really quickly so that I can go feed him and then pass him off to my lovely husband. And then I pack up the car with all my random crap I end up bringing with me every week, get in the car, and I run through McDonald's. McDonald's people, we unite in our somewhat trashiness. Praise God for McDonald's, okay? I love it. Judge if you will, but the judgers will be judged, okay? McDonald's is my place. I love it, and so does my son. Um, but every Sunday, that's kind of my routine. And to be honest, I used to be a little bit more bougie. I used to be a Starbucks person. And then I had a really unfortunate situation. I was in a Starbucks line, and I was probably there for a solid 30 minutes, you know, coasting. You know the Starbucks coast, sort of like this. And you wait for the high-maintenance people with their orders, and then you coast a little further, right? Right? And I was watching this mom who was in another car, and she was having a moment. She had a child in the back seat, and she was doing, doing the stretch with the, the Cheeto container, the little puffs. Come on. And trying to appease this child. And then I'm seeing her <laughs> singing some kind of kidsy song, making it work for 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, this lady is crazy go to McDonald's. This lady is crazy. Why does she care about this cup of coffee so much? And I think we know why. Starbucks isn't just a cup of coffee. Starbucks, especially for those of us with little ones, Starbucks is a moment of dignity. In the middle of wiping poopy butts and sucking snot out of noses through a straw, yeah, that's a thing. You get to do that one day, college students. After a full morning of that, Starbucks is a moment of dignity. It's a moment of what we call self-care. Yeah, everybody know what I'm talking about? And I, and I get it. So it's worth it to her because even through a stressful situation and a loss of 30 minutes, she gets that moment. And spoiler alert, that mom was me. I hate to admit it, that was the day Starbucks lost me. But I, I do understand where that crazy comes from, and I totally get it. And I think that it's not just these, like, Starbucks or McDonald's moments. It's every single minute of every day I'm making these, like, give and take sort of decisions. I'm trying to decide, okay, even before I go to bed, I'm deciding when am I going to set my alarm? Is it worth losing 20 minutes of sleep so I can wear makeup to church? The cost is high, but the reward, I'm going to look fabulous, right? You're thinking, I'm going to get in the car. Is it worth getting onto the HOV lane when I don't have a passenger in my car for the chance that I might get to work on time? Or when I get to work and I'm in a big meeting and I've got something I really want to say, is it worth the cost of speaking up? Because if I do, you know, like, I might get promoted for this or I might get scolded for this. We're constantly, day in and day out, moment to moment. We're making these little give and take decisions. We're trying to decide or evaluate, I guess, is the cost worth the reward? 
right? And we do this in our relationships too. So for those of us who are married or for those of us who are part of friendships or families, we're constantly trying to decide for ourselves is the cost, not necessarily now like financial or time, but our energy, our emotional energy, introverts going to a party, that's quite a cost, right? We're trying to decide is the cost worth what I'm gonna get in return? And our relationship with God is the same. He even sees it similar with us. He knew when we were created, if you can believe it, he decided to create you even though he knew you were gonna be a little rebel. Can you believe that? Because he counted the reward of a potential future relationship with you, of you sitting here and coming into his presence as his child who is beautiful to him. He counted that so worthy that he decided to create you anyway and not only create you, but forgive you by sacrificing his son. That's a lot of cost. Can you imagine how much he sees worth in you? I mean, I can't, honestly, but it must be a whole, whole lot. And we make that same decision with him. So when we are in relationship to him, we have to understand, and we'll never understand fully, we can't physically fathom just how worthy he is. We can't. We don't get it. We never will. Just a taste is enough for us. But we need to decide for ourselves whether the worthiness of who he is is worth the little costs that we pay each day in order to be in relationship with him. And let me, let me tell you, that's scriptural, and that sounds like, oh, well, Jesus was for free. Yeah, you're lucky. That was a freebie. There are costs to our Christian walk. How many of you know that there are costs to making the right decision when the easy decision isn't the right decision, right? Um, so let me just tell you, so I'm going to talk about worship. <laughs> worship, this, this is worship. These tiny decisions are worship. Music, I love music. Music can be worship, but worship is so much bigger than just music itself. Worship is built in two words, okay? So this is easy to remember. Worship, worth and ship. So worth is just simple, you know, is something worth it? Are you willing to apply a certain level of value to that thing? Is it worth it? And then ship is just that same old suffix we attach to leadership and friendship and all of those words where it's just saying like it is, okay? So is it worth it? Worship. So when we come to church and we worship through music, what we're doing is saying, God, you are worthy of this sacrifice. The sacrifice for us at the time is music. Not a very hard sacrifice to make, but for some of us, maybe it is. <laughs> um, so you've got this word worship, and what you're able to do with this word worship is tell yourself through your day, is it worth it, is it worth it? And then instead of thinking, is it worth it for what I'm gonna get in return, but instead, is it worth it to get to God? Is it worth it to get to his kingdom? And in scripture, um, I'm going to read a couple times in Romans 12, but just the beginning for now, um, because I want you guys to see why he's worth it and why worship is applying worth to him. So in Romans 12, 1, it says, um, and so, oh, man, Paul's talking, but I want to be saying this myself. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Before we knew God, we didn't understand what he really had to offer us, how priceless our relationship with him is, but Paul knows. He's been there, and so he's pleading with the people of the church, saying, 
you don't even know what's available to you. If you were to sacrifice yourself in showing worth to God in your daily life, you would receive something so valuable and so great. And the trick is, our Christian culture tells us Christianity is warm and fun and comfortable and fluffy and nice, but the truth is, is it costs us, and it's supposed to. Let me tell you what David says. Ooh, I love the way he comes back here. So David's talking in the Word. Let me find it real quick. Oh, I'm on the wrong page. There we go. David's talking in the Word, and there's this guy, Arana. I think that's how you say it. And he's offering to David, because David's the king at the time. This is Old Covenant we're talking right now. And he's like, oh, you're the king. Let me give you this for free so you can go lay it on the altar as you're offering, as a way to honor the king or gain favor. I don't know what his intentions were. But David knows better. And he says in 2 Samuel, after Arana offers this to him, he says, no, don't give it to me for free, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. If it costs you nothing, it's not worship. You cannot apply worth to God without it costing you. When I was little, and it's funny that Andy was talking about this, we used to go to church as a family. Praise God, I grew up in church. And we would sit as a family as the offering plate would come around. And my dad would hand all of us kids a little quarter that we'd get to throw into the plate. And man, I thought that was so cool. That's like the most money I'd ever handled at the time. And I was like, whew, nice. I'm really contributing to the kingdom here. But I had no idea because I didn't earn that quarter. My father handed it to me. So for me, it, it cost me nothing. All I received was the reward. And he was trying to teach me, you know, what tithing is, and I appreciate that, Dad. But I wasn't learning what the cost of sacrifice looked like for me. And so if I had gone home and, I don't know, swept the floors maybe to earn that quarter, all of a sudden that quarter is mine, and me giving it to the offering requires a cost. That's worship. Does that make sense? It has to cost us something. Oh, that's beautiful. My goodness. Um, I don't know. Man, I don't know if you guys have seen these commercials. They're from the late 90s, so maybe not the college kids, but the rest of us know these MasterCard commercials that they used to do. And they've kind of changed, but there used to be this sort of um, like a little sequence that they'd go through, and every single commercial was the same. And they would start out by saying, um, okay, here's the, here's the item. Tickets to... Um, Cancun, $2,000. Then they'd move on to the next item and they'd say, um, upgrading your flight to first class, $1,000. Buying your wife five new outfits, $600. Ooh, expensive wife. And then they'd say, um, getting to Cancun and paying for a special taxi ride in a limo to the hotel, $200. And they would go on and on and on and on item, price tag, item, price tag, and you're thinking to yourself, this is starting to add up, what is the point of this commercial? You're wanting me to buy a MasterCard or use a MasterCard, but I'm just gonna lose all my money, I don't get it. Then they get to the end, and all of these price tags that have added up culminate in this beautiful thing, and it's like rekindling your relationship with your wife, priceless. 
And you're like, oh, okay, I see where you're going with this. All of a sudden, there's this beautiful moment that money can't buy. It's priceless. And all of these price tags just wash away. And you've, you understand what they're trying to get at, right? And I've always loved these commercials. And for some reason, in every little season of my life, in my crazy imagination, I think, hmm, I wonder what my MasterCard commercial is right now. And it's different like every season, but right now, mine is like diapers, 20 bucks, butt wipes, $4, boogie cream, $2, 15 new outfits at Walmart, don't tell Mitchell, $30, right? It just like adds up and adds up. And then at the end, I see him and I go, oh, sloppy baby kisses, priceless. Moms, come on, you know what I mean. The wet ones are the best. They are so precious. They are worth so much more to me than all of these little price tags, all the cost of being a mom. <sighs> it doesn't compare to what I receive in motherhood. It just doesn't. And God gets that. I mean, we're his children. He understands that what he has to offer us in relationship to us is priceless. We can't buy it. We can't make up for it. We can't do enough good things. We can't say enough right things. He is priceless, priceless. So the little costs that it takes us to be in communion with him, to pursue him, to show him worth through our daily lives, those things are just so small in compared to what we receive. The give doesn't even begin to compare to the take. And he knows that. And if we knew that and we could comprehend that, I think we would just pour ourselves out in service to him and we would do so generously and joyfully, which is the way he wants it anyway. Um, man, it's just a beautiful thing. So I'm gonna sidetrack now and talk about music. How many of you guys would consider yourself like music lovers? I'm not gonna say musicians. You guys like music? You go, okay, cool, most of y'all. If you don't like music, it's like not liking puppies. I'm just confused by you. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's weird. Um, <laughs> music, like I said earlier, music can certainly be worship, but worship, again, is so much more. It's all of those little things we just talked about. But I want to talk to you why, about why we use music in especially our church congregational gatherings, but also we encourage you guys to use music for worship outside of that in your personal walks. I think there's a lot of value to it, and I hope to maybe change some of your minds today, and for those of you who are super into it, maybe give you some grounding for why music makes such a great tool for worship, okay? So for me, music can kind of be broken into four-ish factors, when it comes to worship at least. You've got the melody, la 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 la. You got the rhythm, the booms, the pows. You've got the lyrics, of course, at least within our worship music, we use lyrics. And then you've got the spirit. And I don't mean the spirit of God. What I mean is the spirit of the song, um, like the personality of the song, if that makes sense. So I think that these four sort of tools work together and create this, honestly, incredible language or this incredible vehicle of showing God worth. And this is why. I'm going to put melody and rhythm together to just kind of like shorten up our time. So melody... Who's been to kindergarten, right? Everybody. There's a reason why they teach you A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Not A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? Melody is a tool for memory. 
I don't really know the science behind it. I'm sure somebody does. But there is something inherent in our bones that remembers things better when they're set to melody. I can tell you the planets of our galaxy in order from the sun, and it goes to Pluto because I'm older, but I can tell you the order because I learned it to a song. Like, I don't even know, in kindergarten probably. Okay, there's something inherent about us that just understands melody and it remembers in our brains here. So when we use melody in worship, we're able to repeat those things that we're hearing in church and in worship songs over and over again. And the word calls us to meditate on the scriptures day and night. Guess what's stuck in your head on Sunday evening? Nothing's holding me back from you, right? And rhythm kind of comes alongside, and the rhythm is my favorite because the rhythm is about us, not necessarily about your own time in worship, but when you come together as a congregation, there is something new and different about the way we worship together, and it's unity. Rhythm brings unity. What else could give us the opportunity to all be speaking the same prayers and petitions and praises at the same time? Rhythm. So rhythm and melody work together to allow us to bring unity. Then there's lyrics. This one's obvious. Lyrics, like I was just telling you. Lyrics we pulled from scripture. They are the prayers of the people. They are literally scriptures pulled word for word. They are praise reports. They are testimonies. I'm listening to the worship this morning, and I'm thinking to myself, man, these lyrics are strong. We're talking to God. We're telling him who he is. We're talking about our own faith. It, it's beautiful. That's where we pull lyrics from. It only makes sense, right? And then lastly, there's the spirit. And I don't mean, again, the spirit of God. What I mean is the spirit of the song. How many of you know when we sing a song that's in minor or Claire de Lune, for example, it has this sort of um, oh, ominous vibe to it. It's because of the way that the composers are fitting together the notes and our bodies and our ears, especially in a Western culture, it's a little different throughout the world, but in a Western culture, we understand it as a language. We understand when a song is in minor, it carries something that's either a little heavier a little darker or a little sad, and when it's bright and everything's in major and all of it is just going in all these easy to remember um, notes, we know it's something that's gonna be uplifting, right? It's something about the way we understand it. It's almost like a language. So we use music in our gatherings together as a church simply because it allows us to, through melody, and rhythm and lyrics speak within unity, the same prayers, the same petitions, the same praises, the same scriptures, all of those things mixed together. And finally, through the spirit of the sound of the song, it allows us to emote, express to God what those prayers mean to us. What better tool? It's beautiful. So I'm so thankful for music. And I want to always give you guys that little tidbit when I get a chance to be up here. Because I do believe, obviously, that music has such a beautiful place within the church congregation and as a form of music. But, again, music is not always worship. Worship is so much bigger. And as we were talking about before, all of those little decisions that we're making are really what worship looks like. So I want to bring you guys back to Romans 12 and read you the rest of the verse this time. Um, it says again, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If you want to worship him, present your body to him as a living and holy sacrifice. Now, a living sacrifice, there we go, a living sacrifice is different. So Paul is from, you know, just post-Jesus. This is quite a long time ago, and the people he's talking to are coming from a culture that they hear the word sacrifice, and they think, like, let's kill a cow, okay? It's a completely different perspective to have. So when they say sacrifice between them in conversation, or they hear Paul writing about sacrifice, they're thinking a sacrifice given unto death, a sacrifice of blood. And so he delineates that it's not that type of sacrifice. It is a living sacrifice. And for me, when I hear him delineate the difference, what he's saying is our worship now is no longer giving an animal unto an offering. It is our living. Our living is now our worship. In order to bring worth to God, to show that he is worthy, worthship, we live. We wake up in the morning and we decide what to do based on what will bring him worth. Self-discipline, love, joy, peace, patience, the way we relate to our family, the way we relate to our coworkers, the way we spend our commodities, our money, our time, our energy, our emotional strength, our spiritual life. The living that we are doing has become our worship. Wow, that certainly holds me accountable to when I set my alarm, etc. So I ask you to think about, in your relationship with God, what does your MasterCard relation, what does your MasterCard commercial look like? We know what we receive from him. We've been given new life. Oh, Jesus, you make all things new, right? We said that a hundred times today, and it is still true. He makes all things new. He brings us a sense of satisfaction because he fills us, and we're not looking for anything else. He brings us those fruits of the Spirit. He gives us testimonies. He comes in in our rebellious life and he changes us and he moves us in the right direction. I know each one of you has a testimony of what he's done for you. He's healed you. He's brought you back out of a pit. He's taken you out of a grave, whatever it might be. He's given you so much. So what does your MasterCard commercial look like? Because you can't buy that. That's priceless. What is your relationship with him costing you right now? Give it generously. Give it to him with joy, knowing that he has already come in and giving you what you can't get on your own. That satisfaction of life with him. Oh, my goodness. Um, I read this prayer this week, and I'm just going to share it with you. Um, and let it be your prayer. It's mine right now. And take me, body and soul, and make me the instrument of your glory in the world. Let the renewal you are working from within show on the outside. This is my spiritual worship, to show the world that you are my all-satisfying treasure. If he is my all-satisfying treasure, he's worth it all. Every minute, every breath comes from him, and so I return it to him with joy. Amen.